Welcome to this week's edition of the Worcester Talking News. Recorded on Thursday the 17th of June and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises John Plush as our recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin and my readers with me today are Catherine Neal. Hello. And Jane Fairs. Hello. And hello from me too. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, not a lot at the moment, I have to be honest, followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users... But if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. And I'd like to thank Anne Briggs very much for her donation received last week. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane is going to read for us. Wilds Lane, 01905 766. Listeners should be aware this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police Non-Emergency 101. NHS Direct 111. Out of Hours Medical Assistance 0300 123 3211 between 6 and 8pm. Crime Stoppers, 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub, 01905 765 765. Worcestershire County Council, here to help, 01905 768 053, option 3. Community Risk Team, Fire Safety. 0800 032 1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired D. Jones 01684 891 297 slash or 07920144614 www.senseadventures.co.uk Samaritans 11 
01905 611427. Malvern Theatres 01684 Well, <clears throat> talking of theatres, with the extension of coronavirus restrictions for another month, sadly many events that we might have brought to your attention have since been cancelled. There is one show still advertised, but I would advise contacting the box office directly prior to booking tickets to check whether it will still be performed. Uh, it features the Tradition Transitions Dance Company and they're due to perform at the Swan Theatre on Wednesday the 30th of June at 7.30pm. It's a brand new programme of three newly commissioned contemporary works. For tickets and more information, contact the box office on 01905 611427. But I did think I'd bring some advance notice of an outdoor theatrical production coming to Worcester in July. Gloucester-based theatre company The International Festival Players are currently touring a production of William Shakespeare's Henry V to venues in Europe and also up and down the UK. And they're coming to Worcester for two performances on the 27th and 28th of July. And we should be out of restrictions, hopefully, fingers crossed, by then. Just before the coronavirus put a stop to all theatrical productions, the players had brought us Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale. Artistic director Michael Dyer spoke to us a few days ago from the tour bus. This year, we are performing Henry V, a 90-minute played-through production telling the exciting story of this great warrior king, a tale full of battles, enchantment and a little comedy. We're playing many of the venues which we played in the past and are particularly looking forward to coming to Worcester for the Three Choirs Festival, in which we've been playing for quite a number of years. Do come along and see us. It's an exciting show. I think you'll enjoy it. Henry V will take place in the West End Gardens of Worcester Cathedral at half past one in the afternoon on both days, that's the 27th and the 28th of July. Mr Dyer says, bring your own seating and don't forget a picnic. And possibly an umbrella? Tickets can be booked by ringing 01452 768 928 or check the Three Choirs Festival website. So, back to the news. Uh, we'll start now with the main headlines and Catherine's going to read all the headlines for us and then kick off with the first story. Uh, Friday, June the 11th, the headline was I fear going to mosque. Saturday, June the 12th, police shot at in car chase. Monday, June the 14th, teacher leaves after charges. Tuesday, June the 15th, Sex attacker possessed. Wednesday, June the 16th, attack was ferocious. And Thursday, June the 17th, hospital ban for COVID videos. So here is the headline story for Friday, June the 11th. I fear going to mosque. The victim of an assault by a fellow trustee at a Worcester mosque feels unable to worship at the place he helped to build up from scratch. Abdul Sahid, aged 54, of Northfield Street, Worcester, was found guilty of assaulting Saiful Islam, 
when appearing at Kidderminster Magistrates Court. Saheed was fined £311, ordered to pay £100 compensation, a victim surcharge of £34 and £500 court costs over the offence at Worcester Central Mosque, Lowesmore, Worcester, in September. Mr Islam said he'd been deeply involved with the mosque from its beginning and he argued his place of worship had been taken from me by force by Saheed, who he says is a trustee of the mosque. He said he assaulted me for no reason. It was very upsetting and I've not been back to the mosque since. I do not feel comfortable. I fear going there. When I go to another mosque or place of worship, it is a peaceful place. He continued, when you go there, you have to be peaceful. You should feel more comfortable there than in any other place in the world. If you go in with a feeling of fear, you cannot worship. Mr Islam said the incident happened during a general meeting called by the chairman in which everyone had been asked for their views. When it came to his turn to speak, Mr Islam said he'd been laughed at, provoked and abused by Saheed's group members who were bullying him. He said Saheed had approached him while he remained seated and punched him in the face. Since the incident, Mr Islam has been worshipping elsewhere, but feels irate about having to do so. He says he wants a restraining order against Saheed, but that his quest has been unsuccessful. There are a few mosques in Worcester, but I was one of the people who helped build up this mosque, he said. I love this mosque. I have put in so much. I've put my heart into this mosque. Only for people to do this, it's very upsetting. Worcester Central Mosque chairman Ruhal Hussein witnessed the assault, describing it as shocking and disgusting behaviour and stating Mr Islam had been struck without any reason. Mr Hussein confirmed the claims of bullying and said the matter would be addressed at a meeting of the mosque's trustees. This is a Saturday, June the 12th. Police shot at in car chase. An armed man who shot at a police car during a high-speed chase in Worcester has been jailed for 14 years, while two men in the car with him have received long jail sentences. There was wailing in the public gallery as Gerard Doherty, the man who pulled the trigger, wept and put his head in his hands as he learned his fate at Worcester Crown Court yesterday. There was a heavy police presence during the day-long hearing, including armed officers inside and outside the court building. After the sentence was announced, there was a sobbing and a woman called out to Doherty as he was led away, telling him, I love you with all my heart. Between them, the gang, who had an assortment of weapons for reasons which have still not been revealed by the men, were jailed for 33 years. The sentences handed out by Judge James Burbage, QC, came after dramatic scenes in Worcester on March the 10th last year, starting with a police chase on the A449. Doherty was the front seat passenger, aiming the gun across the front of the driver and through the open car window. After travelling at speeds in excess of 120 miles an hour, the Volvo crashed in Blackpool. Weapons were seized, including a shotgun, a machete, an axe and two knives, with Doherty trying to dispose of the bullets down the toilet in McDonald's in Blackpool. An off-duty officer helped apprehend one of the gang after the car in which he was travelling was hit in the crash.
His partner and 16-month-old child had been in the car with him at the time. Doherty, aged 21, of Oxford Road, Wrighton on Dunsmore, Warwickshire, was jailed for 14 years, an 11-year prison sentence with an extended licence period of three years. The defendant, who had no previous convictions and has mild learning difficulties, must serve at least two-thirds of the sentence behind bars. He admitted possession of a firearm with intent to endanger life in relation to a handgun and a shotgun, possession of shotgun cartridges with intent to endanger life and three counts of possession of an offensive weapon, a machete, an axe and a knife. Kyle Riley, aged 23, of no fixed abode, and the driver of the car, faced the same charges as well as additional charges of dangerous driving, driving while disqualified, and possession of a lock knife. He was jailed for ten years and six months, and must serve at least two-thirds of that sentence. Kieran Irvin, 20, also of no fixed abode, was jailed for eight years and nine months, possessing a firearm with intent to endanger life, possessing ammunition with intent to endanger life, and having three offensive weapons, a machete, an axe and a knife. Officers had been stationary in an unmarked black Skoda in Cow Lane, facing the A449, when a dark blue Volvo estate passed them at speed in the direction of claims. The Volvo was at one stage being driven at 80 miles an hour on the 50 mile an hour road. Officers activating blue lights near the claims roundabout indicating that they wanted the car to pull over. Both cars took the first left, heading in the direction of six ways along the A449. The Volvo eventually pulled over, the unmarked car pulling up just behind before the, re the Volvo reversed into the police Skoda before driving off towards the Junction 6 at speeds in excess of 120 miles an hour. Tom Kenning, prosecuting, said as the Volvo and the Skoda approached the roundabout, P.S. Baker heard a loud crack sound, which he believed to be the discharge of a high-velocity gun. Footage from the in-car camera of the Skoda will show the driver's window of the Volvo was lowered as the vehicle approached the roundabout. It is at this point the prosecution say that the gun was fired at the police Skoda containing PC Rimmer and PC Dam. The Volvo continued through a red light, round the roundabout and back along the A449, heading back towards Blackpool, driving at one stage on the wrong side of the road and narrowly missing a fuel tanker. Mr Kenning said, as it approached the junction of Cotswold Way and Cosgrove, close, the Volvo again went on the wrong side of the road, struck a central reservation, broke off a rear wheel and collided with a silver Passat and a white TW Tiguan, containing Nyla Achtar, her fiancé Kevin Wyatt and an off-duty police officer and their 16-month-old son. The driver and passengers ran from the car. Riley, a disqualified driver, was behind the wheel, but was chased and caught by PC Rimmer. 
Irvin was chased and caught by off-duty officer Kevin Wyatt. Mr Kenning added, a hole, a hole in the inside rear of the Skoda was discovered by the police officers. The prosecution say this was caused by the shot fired through the driver's side window of the Volvo on the approach to Six Ways Roundabout. The search continued for the third man, Doherty, who had stolen a mobile phone power pack charger from Blackpool before he entered McDonald's on the Blackpool Retail Park. A customer found two bullets in the, bo- in the bowl of the disabled toilet. Staff and police were alerted and Doherty was arrested nearby, claiming he was there to pick up his girlfriend. The Volvo contained weapons, including a .22 calibre converted rim rifle firearm stroke pistol in the central console. Thank you, Jane. Headline for Monday, June the 14th. Teacher leaves after charges. A teacher has left a Worcester school after being arrested and charged for alleged sexual offences committed outside of school last month. Staff at Tudor Grange Academy say they are shocked at the allegations, which has led to the teacher's departure from the school. A spokesperson for the Bilford Road School said... We remain shocked and saddened that a now former teacher from our school was arrested and charged last month for alleged offences committed in his personal life outside of school. In line with our safeguarding procedures, as soon as we were informed by the police, the teacher was immediately suspended pending an investigation. We can now confirm that he is no longer an employee of the school and, crucially, that none of the offences being investigated by the police are in any way connected to the school. All parents and students have been made aware of this situation. The school has said all school employees go through a rigorous recruitment process, including an enhanced DBS check, the barred list check and complete regular safeguarding training. The statement said... We can confirm that this teacher passed all the necessary checks and completed all the training requirements. All teachers are expected to be role models for students and the standards expected of teachers at our school are very high, which made this news even more of a shock. The school said they were unable to comment further due to the seriousness of the matter. They said, we would like to thank the police for their support throughout this time. South Worcestershire Police said they were unable to provide further details. Thank you, Pippa. So, for Tuesday, June 15th, the headline on the front page is Sex Attacker Possessed. A stranger who sexually assaulted a woman in broad daylight in Worcester after hitting her around the head with her own mobile phone will be deported. Robert Pietricolan, who told the woman, no one can hear you, during the terrifying attack, was jailed for two years and nine months at Worcester Crown Court yesterday. The defendant, sentenced over a prison video link, repeatedly covered his face with his hands as details of the attack were laid out. The 33-year-old admitted attacking the woman last July. The assault only stopped at all because neighbours heard screams for help and rushed to her aid, one taking a photo of the defendant, which led to him being successfully identified. 
The victim was on the phone to a friend near Grossmont Avenue, Warnden Villages, when she saw the defendant lying on the ground. He asked her for the time, which she thought was odd, as he had a mobile phone of his own, and she began to feel uneasy. Pietro Colon got up and walked in the same direction as the woman. Simon Phillips, prosecuting, said he snatched her phone from her hand and hit her across the head with it. This made her fall to the ground and he got on top of her. She started to scream and tried to fight the male off, but he was too strong. The married victim, who cannot be identified, hit Pietricolum with her umbrella, but that made no impression before he pulled her clothing down, scratching her chest and face with his fingers. She continued to scream for help, but he replied, No one can hear you, or words to that effect, said Mr Phillips. Two men did hear her screams, and when one approached Pietricolum, he stopped the attack. Another took the photograph of him, which helped identify him. Pietricolon was found later nearby in Trots Hill Way. Arrested and interviewed, Pietricolon told officers, God made me do it. The victim's mobile phone was smashed in the attack, costing £230 to replace. One of the men said he heard screaming and initially thought the defendant was trying to restrain the woman before telling him he was going to call the police. The defendant, who at the time was living in Hock Coppice, Warnden Villages, Worcester, said, go on, call the police, before starting to walk towards him in what was described as a violent manner. Pietro Colon, a married man from Poland, has been in the UK since 2012 and in Worcester since 2016. Family friends noticed he had been acting oddly and had experienced depression before the attack. At one stage he was heard to say, I think I'm possessed. Pietro Colon had no previous convictions and will have to go back to Poland. He has been in custody since his arrest and only admitted the offence on the first day of what would have been his trial. Jason Aris, defending, said it was abundantly clear the defendant was having particular difficulties with his mental health. Mr Aris said it's clear he found it very difficult to acknowledge that it was him who put her in that position. My submission is that it's shame that he essentially suffers from. Recorder Christopher Millington QC asked Mr Aris if his client was in denial about what he'd done and the barrister replied, absolutely. Despite this, the defendant admitted the attack on a full facts basis. Mr Aris said of the Polish national, he will undoubtedly be deported as a result of the sentence imposed on him today. He wants to return to Poland in any event to make a fresh start. Speaking of the defendant's mental health, the judge said, It seems to me that at the time of the commission of this offence, you were still significantly in control of your behaviour and your actions. You were aware of what it was you were doing at the time. He added, Notwithstanding your guilty plea, you have continued to protest that all of this must have been some sort of accident. You've shown precious little remorse for what you've done. The judge jailed him for two years and nine months, ordered him to sign the sex offenders register indefinitely and made an indefinite restraining order which prohibits all contact, be it direct or indirect, with the victim. And this is the headline for Wednesday, June the 16th. Attack was ferocious. An armed group set upon a man with a baseball bat and a machete during a ferocious attack intending to kill him, a court heard. Usman Multani, 
his younger brother, Qasim Multani, and Shahinal Alam all deny attempted murder, grievous bodily harm with intent and violent disorder following the alleged attack in Wildsley in Worcester. Oes Salim suffered a fractured skull, a bleed on the brain, a gash to his face near the eye, and injuries to his hand during the attack at around 1am on November the 24th, 2019. The trial of Usman Multani, 27, Kasim Multani, 23, both of Westminster Road, Bronxwood, Worcester, and Alam, 31, of Ivor Road, Sparkhill, Birmingham, got underway at Worcester Crown Court yesterday. Phil Bradley, QC, prosecuting, told the jury there had been friction and a febrile atmosphere between the Multani group from Ronxwood, which included Luke Bridger and his brother Omar Idris, and the Zahid Ali group. He said that in the 24 hours before the attack, there had been a number of incidents the Multani group blamed on the Ali group. Just two hours before the attack, police were called to Luke Bridges' home with the Maltani group saying Zahid Alid had tried to kidnap Mr Bridges' uncle, Jason Bridger. There were reports of groups of Asian men wearing balaclavas and carrying bats congregating outside Bridges' address in Carlisle Road, Ronxwood. Speaking of the alleged attack on Mr Salim, the prosecutor said two cars travelled in convoy to the scene a white Mercedes C-Class and a black Volkswagen Golf, to effect revenge upon the Ali group. The prosecution case is that Usman Maltani left the Mercedes and ran at Mr Salim with a baseball bat, while his brother, Kasim, also in the Mercedes, was armed with a machete. Repeated blows were said to have been landed, knocking Mr Salim to the ground, and other men from the Gulf were also said by the prosecution to have joined in the attack. Once there, they continued to deliver blow after blow with weapons, fists and feet. Oes Salim was taken completely by surprise, said Mr Bradley. The alleged victim was later able to tell police nothing other than that he had been attacked by three men dressed in dark clothing who got out of the Mercedes. Mr Bradley said the victim was left in a perilous position and was lucky not to have lost his life. Remarkably, he was able to get to his feet and others present bundled him into a car, taking him to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. His injuries were too serious to be treated there and he was transferred to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. Jurors were shown photos of the injuries Mr Salim sustained, including a deep laceration to his right cheek, close to his right eye, cuts to his little and middle finger were no doubt inflicted when he tried to protect himself, said the prosecutor. The consultant who treated him said Mr Salim was lucky to have avoided more significant brain injuries. Mr Bradley said the prosecution say that this was a deliberate, organised and concerted attempt to kill the victim, whom the attackers believed was part of the gang they were intent on revenging. He added, the critical element in this charge is the intention to kill. In this case, we say, intention to kill is evidenced by the position of the wounds, 
which were aimed at the head and face, the use of weapons to inflict those wounds, a machete and a baseball bat included, and the sheer ferocity of the attack. Witness Kasim Hamed said he recognised Usman Multani, having known him since the age of 14, and also Kasim Multani, whom he had known for about three years because they used the same boxing gym. In a statement, he said, Usman Multani had a baseball bat and Kasim Multani a machete. Mr. Hamid and his friend, Faisan Hussain, ran away as Usman Multani was described as shouting, Come on! Mr. Hussain said in a statement, he recognised Usman Multani and Kasim because he'd been at college with them. The trial continues. And the headline for Thursday, June the 17th. Hospital ban for COVID videos. Four men have been barred from every hospital in England after videoing in Worcestershire hospitals at the peak of the pandemic. Worcestershire Royal was one of the hospitals featured in the footage, which claimed the effects of COVID-19 had been overstated before it was deleted. A criminal investigation was launched after videos appeared online filmed inside the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham and the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch. The hospital in Kidderminster also featured. On January the 12th, West Mercia Police said it had arrested two men aged 31 and 34 from Bromsgrove, a 34-year-old from Droitwich and another male, 27, from Kidderminster, all in Worcestershire, on suspicion of causing a public nuisance. The videos were filmed at the peak of the strain on the NHS and just days after the arrests, the number of UK daily deaths within 28 days of a positive COVID test hit a record high of 1,820 on January the 20th. West Mercia Police said the individuals will now only be able to attend hospitals for a medical reason under the terms of community protection notices handed to each of them. Inspector Lee Page from West Mercia Police said, During the first few days of 2021, the NHS was close to being overwhelmed at the peak of the second wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. West Mercia Police received numerous complaints from concerned members of the public and medical staff about the actions of a group of individuals who were live streaming from hospital sites in Worcestershire, protesting that the pandemic was a hoax. The men were not wearing face coverings or socially distancing, and some of them were challenging hospital staff, accusing them of spreading fake news and claiming there was no national emergency and no pandemic. Their behaviour disrupted the running of the hospitals, tied up valuable resources and caused alarm and distress to patients and staff. So that concludes the headline stories for the week and we'll now read some general news stories from the rest of the papers and Catherine, if you'd like to make a start. Right, <clears throat> this is uh, advance notice of a very admirable uh, aim. 48 marathons for 48 kids' meals. A former international strongman is hoping to raise thousands of pounds for charity by running 48 marathons in each of, the, of England's 48 counties in 48 days. 
John Clark, who's 34, was crowned Britain's natural strongest man in 2015 and 2016 and is fundraising to support children living in food poverty. He will begin his challenge in Northumberland on July the 5th before eventually arriving in Worcestershire on August 21st. The proceeds of his fundraising will be split between food bank charity The Trussell Trust and Miles for Meals, a charity Mr Clark founded after his own family struggled to make ends meet when a serious accident left his father with life-changing injuries. Mr Clark, who's originally from Ripon in North Yorkshire and now lives in Worcester, said, I hope to make a difference so others don't have to experience the same as I did. And this is about an asbestos death which leads to an appeal. The daughter of a Kempsey man killed by asbestos-related cancer seven weeks after diagnosis is calling for former workers at Metalbox Worcester to come forward with information. Michael Darling died from the industrial disease in February earlier this year after working at the now-defunct Perry Wood factory. His family are seeking evidence on the use of asbestos or disturbance of asbestos in the premises as part of a legal claim. Daughter Christina Darling and family members are also leading a new charity campaign called MisoMix to raise awareness of the dangers of asbestos, selling homemade crafts featuring the forget-me-not flower, the symbol for mesothelioma, UK. Mesothelioma is a type of cancer that develops in the lining that covers the outer surface of some of the body's organs. It is usually linked to asbestos exposure and affects some 2,500 people who get diagnosed with it in the UK every year. Christina said, We had never even heard of mesothelioma, so it was such a shock when my father was diagnosed with this lung disease, particularly as there is no history of cancer in the family. Having passed away seven weeks after his diagnosis, we are still learning so much about the devastating effects of mesothelioma lung cancer caused by exposure to asbestos. Raising the awareness of both that and the charity in the Worcestershire area is the key driving force of our campaign, and fundraising to help families shattered by this horrible disease. So we would like to urge anyone who thinks they might have been exposed to asbestos and are experiencing any sudden changes in their breathing to please get checked out by your GP. And as a family, we currently have a witness appeal for workers from the Metal Box Perrywood site to come forward and share with us their knowledge of the use of asbestos or disturbance of asbestos in the premises as part of our claim. Anyone with information should email jemima.ware at roydswithyking, that's R-O-Y-D-S-W-I-T-H-Y-King, K-I-N-G dot com. Residents have said they are living in fear after another crash at the same place on a busy Worcester road. Police, paramedics and firefighters were called to a crash on Bransford Road near the junction with Swinton Lane in St John's at around 7pm on Friday evening. Tim Clark, a resident living near the crash scene, said, 
One person was trapped in a vehicle. He said the road was full of emergency services. It was a very serious accident. Firefighters had to cut somebody out of one of the vehicles. I couldn't get too close and I wouldn't want to, but the person looked conscious. The collision involved an Audi and a Honda taking place in front of the Swinton Lane Junction. Mr Clark said vehicles parked on the road were damaged from the force of the crash. It isn't the first crash at the same stretch of the road and people living nearby say they are considering moving away from the area unless highway authorities take action. Resident Anna Clark said, There have been four serious incidents at the same junction in the eight years we've lived here. It is a miracle no one has been killed. More needs to be done to stop the many speeding motorists we see on this stretch. Our fear is that our family or one of our neighbours will end up being seriously hurt while on the pavement or crossing the road. One of the crashes happened in 2015 when a silver BMW smashed straight through the front of a house with the driver leaving the scene. All victims of the crash survived, however, it was not the only house on the street to suffer the same consequences. In 2018, saw two major accidents. The most shocking involved a bus that crashed into the front of a house. Robbie Campbell, who also lives in Bransford Road, said, In a nutshell, this road is an absolute rat race. Cars are going way too fast and it's really intimidating. We're genuinely looking to move because of this road. It would be fine if people were actually driving at the speed limit. But even when emergency services were here on Friday night, there were so many examples of cars breaking the speed limit. Something needs to change. Climate activists from Malvern took part in a weekend of protests as world leaders gathered for the G7 summit in Cornwall last weekend. Rebels from Extinction Rebellion headed down to the conference, which saw heads of government, including Prime Minister Boris Johnson and President Joe Biden, discuss international priorities. The members of the group who did not travel to Cornwall stayed in Malvern, setting up a stall in the town over the weekend. An update to members said, while many of the Malvern rebels travelled to Cornwall for the G7 summit, those in Malvern held a vigil for the earth, and adjacent to that, our stall was filled with many free gifts that had been generously donated. The block printing went down well. We connected with Extinction Rebellion rebels from London and Swindon, made new friends locally, and were grateful for many new people signing up. Extinction Rebellion says the protests are in response to G7 nations' failure to respect the global climate commitments they made in Paris in 2015. And this is a short one about animal feelings. A move to recognise that animals have feelings in law aimed at improving welfare standards has been dismissed in Parliament as virtue signalling and PR. Critics in the House of Lords questioned the need for Animal Welfare Sentience Bill, which the government is seeking to introduce post-Brexit, amid warnings it could have unintended consequences and lead to legal challenge. The legislation recognises that animals are sentient beings able to feel pain and joy and creates a body to ensure UK ministers take account of their welfare needs when drawing up and implementing policy. The Animal Sentience Committee would assess and report on the welfare impacts of government decisions 
with the relevant Secretary of State required to respond. The bill applies to all animals other than humans if they are vertebrates and so have a backbone. As such, it applies to wild animals as well as pets. Aldi now. Aldi has announced it is on the lookout for 10 new store locations in Worcestershire. The UK supermarket has been on an expansion drive in recent years, opening around one new store a week on average to meet demand from new customers. The areas in Worcestershire where it is now looking for sites include Worcester, despite having three supermarkets in the city already. Sites are also being sought in Malvern, Evesham and Pershaw. Kieran Aldridge, National Property Director at Aldi UK, said, We know that there are still areas that either do not have an Aldi at all or that need another store to meet customer demand. Shoppers are increasingly looking to get unbeatable prices on their weekly shop without compromising on quality. That's why, more so than ever, we're keen to explore all opportunities to open new stores. Treating the fear of needles may reduce coronavirus vaccine hesitancy, researchers say. A new study suggests one quarter of the UK adult population screens positive for potential injection phobia. Researchers say these people were twice as likely to report being hesitant to getting a COVID-19 vaccine. They were put off getting vaccinated or indeed never get the jab. But if all injection anxiety in the population was removed, then more than 10% of instances of vaccine hesitancy might disappear too, the data indicates. People can be helped to overcome their fear of needles, including through the use of cognitive behavioural therapy, experts say. Study lead Professor Daniel Freeman, Department of Psychiatry, University of Oxford, said people may certainly think twice about joining a queue for a vaccine if they fear that they might topple to the ground. A driving instructor has urged learner drivers not to panic despite long delays in booking tests. The cancellation of more than 450,000 tests in Britain due to the coronavirus pandemic, has led to a 17-week wait time, according to the Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency, the DVSA. Worcester instructor Nathan Cooper revealed some candidates are being offered dates even further down the line than that when they first go to book, but that savvy learners can cut the wait to less than three months. It's being dealt with and people checked for cancellations are getting test dates within two or three months, he said. I did a test this week where the examiner mentioned a lot of new dates are coming onto the system and they've also taken on instructors as examiners to help clear the backlog, so there is light at the end of the tunnel. If you go onto the system to book a test, I've heard of people being offered dates for next year. But cancellations do come up and new dates are dropping on so those who go on the system regularly are getting the dates they want. I ask people to check ten times a day. If you just go for the first date that's there, you're probably going to end up with something in 2022. Normally, we advise people to leave six weeks for a practical test, but at the moment we're saying that if you do check the system, that you should be able to get something three months away, probably sooner. It's not outrageously longer than what we were used to, but people are taking one look and panicking. 
because they see no tests available. I know DVSA is working hard to clear the backlog, and since 2020, I've probably had 12 months off work, and so have the examiners, and they're doing the tests on a Sunday, something I'd never heard of. The backlog is being cleared, and with the way things are going, I imagine we should be back to some sort of normality in six months' time. So, have you or do you know someone who is waiting for a driving test? Thank you. A Worcester school has been selected as a finalist in the Chamber's Business Awards for 2021. Royal Grammar School Worcester has been chosen to be a finalist for the category Best Use of Technology. John Pitt, head teacher, said, It's a real testament to the hard work of the staff and especially the pupils, who in exceptional circumstances carried on with their education. The digital learning programme established in 2014 really shone through in these exceptional times and enabled us to carry on. Good luck to them. An 88-year-old man charged with murdering his wife, whose remains were found in a septic tank some 37 years after she disappeared, has appeared in court. David Venables is accused of killing 48-year-old Brenda Venables, who was reported missing from the couple's then-home in Bestman's Lane, Kempsey, Worcestershire, in 1982. West Mercia Police launched a murder investigation after the find at the address in the village on July 12, 2019. Venables of Elga Drive, Kempsey, was charged by the Crown Prosecution Service last week with murdering Mrs Venables between May 2 and May 5, 1982. He appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court last Tuesday in a hearing which lasted four minutes. Venables, who wore a tweed jacket, formal shirt and tie, glasses and a face mask, kept his hands folded in his lap as he sat in the dock, speaking only to confirm his name, date of birth, address, and that he understood proceedings. Magistrates remanded him into custody for a hearing later the same day at Birmingham Crown Court. It's understood that Mrs Venable's remains were discovered after the tank was drained during routine maintenance. Following the find, officers from West Mercia Police carried out searches at a bungalow in a quiet cul-de-sac in Kempsey the same month. The force launched an unexplained death inquiry and linked it to the disappearance of the farmer's wife. In May 1982, the Worcester Evening News ran a story about Mrs Venables going missing two days earlier from her home in Bestman's Lane. After it was confirmed last week that Venables would be charged with the murder, Mark Paul, head of Complex Casework Unit, said the decision to authorise the charge against the defendant was made after careful consideration of all the available evidence of this complex case and determining that a prosecution is required in the public interest. The alleged offences occurred between May 2nd and May 5th, 1982. And now, uh, the Worcester News says it's time to install smoke alarms. Firefighters are encouraging people to install fire alarms as part of Home Safety Week. The National Fire Chiefs Council, the NFCC, and Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service wants to underline that alarms can save lives and, in the event of a fire or carbon monoxide CO incident, they can also provide Precious time to escape. In 18% of dwellings, 
fires in the UK, smoke alarms fail to activate. The most common reason, around 50% of instances, was because the smoke did not reach the alarm. So householders are encouraged to install alarms to ensure the whole home is covered. Smoke alarms should be installed in the rooms used most. This is where a fire is most likely to start. CO is a highly poisonous gas which you cannot see, taste or smell. The NFCC recommends that any, any room with a fuel-burning appliance such as an open fire, wood-burning stove or gas appliance such as a boiler or cooker should also have a working CO alarm fitted. James Bywater, NFCC lead for home detection, said NFCC want people to think about the risks in their homes to ensure they take action to prevent incidents and to ensure they have the right detection in the right places to be alert if the incident happens. This might mean installing more smoke alarms in your home, particularly in the rooms used most and carbon monoxide alarms in all rooms with a fuel-burning appliance. Home detection technology has advanced, and products with sealed batteries or interlinked systems are available, and as part of your home safety plan, it may give you and your family precious time to escape. Home Safety Week runs from June the 14th to June the 20th, so we're in it now. For the latest advice and information about keeping your home safe, please visit hwfire.org.uk or you can call the prevention team on 0800 032 1155. Long live twinning. This sentence, repeated with enthusiasm, with accents from both sides of the channel, resounded in the town hall of Gouzocourt, France, in May. About 20 councillors and members of the Twinning Association in Worcester, all in their own homes, were connected virtually with a dozen councillors meeting in Gouzocourt Town Hall for a celebration of their twinning, which started in 2014. But this time, in spite of not being able to meet in person, the ceremony had a special significance because the twinning, which had been temporary, became permanent. Links between the two towns, of vastly different sizes, Worcester's 100,000 inhabitants compared with Guzocor's 1,600 started after the First World War. At that time, 80 80 British towns adopted French towns to help them rebuild and this northern French community was adopted by Worcester. The mayor, Jacques Richard, reminded us, You became our wartime godmother in 1921. The village was completely destroyed in 1917 and you helped with the rebuilding. We will not forget your help. Almost a century later, the two towns engaged in a temporary twinning and then in 2017, the centenary of the Battle of Cambrai, Gouzocourt hosted a group from Worcester. Jacques Richard recalled, Worcester male male voice choir came to sing in our church. It was magnificent. After this, we had to content ourselves with virtual meetings, but despite this, they did not lack warmth. At the recent ceremony, the speeches in two languages expressed warm feelings and were fluently translated by Rosemary Campbell, Vice-Chair of Worcester Twinning Association. Councillor Joe Hodges, Mayor of Worcester at the time of the ceremony, hoped to be able to visit Guzocor in the near future. Until then, 
the two towns are already working on a link between two of their schools, illustrating the wish expressed by the two mayors of a long and fruitful friendship. Right. <clears throat> Agritech students at Pershaw College are tasting the sweet fruits of success after a new successful trial involving alpine strawberries which were planted last winter. Nick Monkton and Tom Jennifer planted the Alexandria strawberry seeds last winter and the plants have now started to fruit in the polytunnel facility at the Horticulture College. Alpine strawberries are smaller in size and are able to grow in a cooler climate. Planting in the autumn using this vertical method means these alpine strawberries could be grown all year round. Dr Anjana Patel from Pershaw College said it's brilliant for the students that their research is finally starting to bear fruit and it is the culmination of nearly a year of preparation and monitoring. Trials like this help to find more strawberry varieties that have greater flavour and more alternatives to imported strawberries. This might then reduce our reliance on food flown in and also helps to build a bigger sustainable food production platform. Research such as this, carried out by Nick and Tom, will help the country to do that, helping to build towards food security targets for the country. And there's a picture of the two students with great big tall um, plants. And I think the point is really that it's all vertical. Growing vertically like this, Dr Patel continued, is almost certainly the future of agriculture in the UK, as it makes it possible to grow five times more in an area. With the population set to rise to 10.5 billion in 2050, there will be increased demand for resources and vertical farming methods and that can make agriculture more efficient. Nick and Tom continue to work on the strawberries to measure the yield that they're getting and have now turned their attention to a more commercial variety which is beginning to ripen in polytunnel alongside the alpine variety. And now, ducklings saved from the storm drain. Firefighters from Hereford and Worcester Fire Service saved four ducklings which were trapped in a storm drain. Crews helped to reunite them with their mother after being rescued from a drain near Farrier Street in Worcester City Centre on Sunday. A post on social media <coughs> from Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service read, Never ones to duck their duties. Worcester Fire Station came to the rescue of these little ducklings yesterday when they found themselves stuck down a storm drain. A quacking job from all involved. People on Facebook praised the firefighters for coming to the rescue. Christine O'Sullivan said, Well done. On behalf of the ducks, thank you. Christine Saunders said, Well done. How did they get in there? Good to see the uh, Worcester News haven't lost their touch on the um, puns. Mm -hmm. And here is a wonderful story uh, about charity and fundraising. Despite what you might think, there is no age limit on people's ability to inspire. In 2020, Captain Sir Tom Moore showed us there is no upper age restriction. A, centena a centenarian could fill us all with awe and admiration with his charitable endeavours. Nearly a full century his junior, Abigail Wattis has also proved there's no lower age restriction. In October 2020, less than a week after her eighth birthday, Abby cycled a full 37 miles 
to raise money for Birmingham Children's Hospital, securing an incredible £3,936.25p. Now, in 2021, Abby has been named as one of Birmingham Children's Hospital's heroes of 2021, in addition to being awarded BSH's Young Fundraiser of the Year 2021. Just seven years old when she first formulated the idea for her sponsored cycle, Abby's big door-to-door bike ride, Abigail was so awestruck by the care and kindness BCH gave to her brother Oliver during complex spinal surgery that she felt inspired to act. The 37-mile endurance test was deeply personal, with the distance being from her own front door in Lower Broadheath to the front door of Birmingham Children's Hospital. It is a distance even most adults would balk at, but through a careful practice regime over the summer months of 2020, Abby built up her stamina and was eventually able to complete the feat in just seven hours on October 25th, 2020. Abigail, Oliver and parents Matt and Lindsay were incredibly proud as Abby attended a virtual awards ceremony to receive her trophy. Her name has also been immortalised on the Red Balloon Wall of Honour at the hospital entrance. Right. Tributes have been paid to a tireless advocate of support for the elderly in Worcester. Val Stokes, who died last week, was the longest-serving trustee of Community Transport Service Worcester Wheels and a former chief executive of Age Concern Worcester and District. Graham Heath, chairman of trustees at Worcester Wheels, said he announced her death with deep sadness. He said... Val had been an enthusiastic supporter of Worcester Wheels, having first served as a volunteer and later as a trustee. Having spent many years involved in charitable works in Worcester, Val was Chief Executive of Age Concern, now Age UK, for some 20 years and was instrumental in the setting up of Worcester Wheels as a separate operation from the Worcester Volunteer Centre. I'm sure I express the sentiments of all of us at Worcester Wheels that she will be sadly missed and we extend our sincere condolences to her family. A statement on behalf of the trustees of Age UK Worcester and Malvern Hills said Val was Chief Executive of Age UK Worcester and District for a number of years before her retirement. During that time she was instrumental to the development of Age Concern as it was then, expanding the services we provided and the development of our shops in particular. It continued, she and her late husband, Peter, who was our handyman, were both very committed to our charity and to our volunteers. We would also like to send our condolences to her family. Mrs Stokes had always been proactive in garnering media support for projects and frequently appealed for help with a wide range of services, including those enabling the delivery of meals to the elderly. She was recognised for 25 years of service to Worcester Wheels in December 2017. She offered her voluntary support in a range of roles, from working in the office through to providing advice as part of the Finance and Human Resources Committee. At the time, Vice Chairman John Warham presented her with a bouquet of flowers and said, Val's commitment to this very worthwhile community facility is commended. And now we're in Droitwich, where Droitwich residents have hit out at vandals who smashed the windscreen of a car parked outside the town's railway station. Pictures were posted on the spotted Droitwich page of the broken glass of her Hyundai, which was smashed when it was parked outside the station during the day on Wednesday. 
Joanne Reynolds wrote under the post speculating the damage had been caused by someone standing on the car and putting a foot through the window. Kenny Tabera said, does it have a footprint on the bonnet or roof? If so, you can lift the shoe print. Sarah Doughty Brooks said, this was happening regularly in 2019 in the railway car park. And Bill Green wrote, seems to be more and more of this kind of thing in Drywitch lately. Cherish Sims said, I parked out there on the other side last weekend and my car was covered in coke. Drywitch police were approached for comment, but no one was available. So a blue plaque has been unveiled at Shellersley Walsh Hill Climb to honour former British Formula One racing driver Sir Stirling Moss. When Sir Stirling passed away on Easter Sunday 2020 amid the global pandemic, plans to celebrate his remarkable motorsport career were put on hold. The blue plaque was unveiled, will serve as a permanent memorial to Sir Stirling at one of the oldest motorsports venues in the world. The plaque has been created by Worcester Civic Society to commemorate the achievements of eminent people who've had an association with the city and county. Sir Stirling began his career by entering speed hill climbs, and, partic- and in particular those at Shellesley Walsh. He won his class at Shellesley on September the 25th, 1948, securing the record for the fastest unsupercharged car on June the 11th, 1949, and again on September the 24th that year. He took the fastest time of the day. He regularly returned to Shellesley in more recent years until his health declined. The Formula One legend won 212 of the 529 races he entered across several categories of competition and has been described as the greatest driver never to win the world title. And I always thought Shazley Walsh was for cyclists. Obviously, (laughs) well out of date. A hotel has revealed plans to build a new garden restaurant. The plans would see the restaurant and bar built on an unused gravel courtyard at the Grade 2 listed Mount Pleasant Hotel in Bellevue Terrace, Malvern. Terraced seating and extra car parking spaces would be built as part of the proposals. The hotel was given the go-ahead to build a cafe on the space by Malvern Hills District Council in 2012 and the new restaurant would occupy the same space. The space to be used by the development was originally a garden bar which was demolished due to being in poor condition and partially rebuilt but is now unused. A statement included with the application said, While the hotel is a Grade 2 listed building, the proposed building is hidden behind and separate to the hotel, occupying a space previously approved for development, and the landscaping is making use of the unattractive gravel slope, which should improve the site both for environmental and beauty benefits. While the courtyard is currently unused and uninviting, it used to be a garden bar. It continued, the proposal restores the space to a functional restaurant with terraced garden, which is critical for businesses today due to current social and health conditions. The proposal is intended to encourage new and more visitors to Malvern. This should bring additional revenue into the surrounding businesses, shops and sustenance establishments alike. The aim of the proposal is to provide a beautiful yet utilitarian multi-purpose space with ample outdoors capacity for eating and drinking which promotes the hotel and draws increased revenue into the town with additional high quality facilities which are ecologically friendly. And this is about hardy dogs in a walk. Now there are six dogs with pictures on, on the page 
Um, one ha- has two legs missing and two wheels and a, a contraption strapped to him so that he can run along and he's even got a number plate on his wheelchair. Um, the other one, there's a paralysed one, um, one that had a rupture, a hit and run who lost his leg in an accident, one suffered from malnutrition and another lost leg. Anyway, the disabled dogs are doing their bit for their fellow canines in, an, in need in a charity walk next month. The Amici Dog Rescue has organised the, the walk for six disabled dogs, this six that I was talking about, and their families as they attempt to make it to the top of the Malvern Hills Worcestershire Beacon on July the 3rd. The Disability Not Inability Beacon Challenge, which will take place from 9am, is trying to highlight the inspirational achievements of the pets and bring hopes to family that have animals suffering from injuries and medical issues. The dogs, who originate from Romania, have all been adopted by families in the county. John Fraser from Martley, who adopted his dog Delilah after an accident, led her to lose her leg, had three operations to try to save it, but sadly it had to be amputated. He said, I'd adopted Delilah just before lockdown last year. The loss of a front leg is no barrier to her living a full and happy life. By attempting this challenge, hopefully she can prove that her disability does not mean inability. Anne Percy, founder, said we want to use this challenge to raise much-needed funds, but just as importantly, to highlight how utterly amazing disabled dogs can be. Like humans, dogs with disabilities are capable of doing things that most people would think were impossible. This group of dogs gives so much inspiration to so many people and their dogs. We hope people will get behind the challenge and give it their full support. Hmm. Worcester hospitality businesses are feeling the pressure as they reopen with furloughed staff having moved on. Restaurants, pubs and cafes across the city are desperate for staff, with lockdown restrictions easing, but say there are slim pickings. Nick Gibbons, landlord of the Anchor Inn in Douglas Road, said there are absolutely no hospitality staff around. He said no one wants to work long, hard hours anymore. Lockdown had all hospitality staff either on furlough or made redundant, so the staff got jobs in warehouses or working for delivery companies and have decided to stay and not come back. Customers are waiting longer because there's no staff to pour drinks, serve food or cook the food. Sam Barriscale, owner of Mar Baker's in Cranham Drive, warned and echoed the sentiments. He said... Many in the hospitality business have had time to realise there's more to life than late nights and weekends at a not-brilliant rate of pay, so they've found more rewarding careers elsewhere. All it means for us is upping the wages and offering a better experience for employees, shorter hours and better pay. This means that food and drink costs will go up exponentially. That, along with the delivery driver shortage, is going to hit our pockets. Will Bradley of the Alma Tavern in Droitwich Road said, when the furloughed staff got other jobs, they saw there was less pressure and more social time. So the hospitality industry looks less desirable. It is a lifestyle and a fun environment, but not for everyone.
So that concludes the general news stories, although I would like to bring to your attention that libraries in Worcestershire are lifting coronavirus restrictions in line with government guidance. Customers will be able to return to a more relaxed browsing experience following the return of seating to library spaces and the lifting of browsing time restrictions, except during very busy periods. So that's good news. So we'll move on to the sport. And this week there are actually a few more stories than normal. So if you'd like to start us off, Catherine, that'd be grand. Yes, thanks. Uh, This story was published last Friday, June the 11th. Um, and why I've emphasised that will become clear. Um, After 14 years and 252 appearances, Worcester Warriors' Chris Pennell's time at Six Ways has come to an end. A career that started with his Worcester debut in 2007 against Bath, Pennell, 34, went on to be capped by England on their summer tour of New Zealand in 2014 and will bow out with 426 points, including 43 tries to his name. Um, And this is why I stress the the date, because the report says Pennell will not get to play in front of the supporters one final time after the cancellation of Saturday's Gallagher Premiership match against Gloucester Rugby due to a COVID-19 outbreak in the Gloucester camp, which presumably was last Saturday. But the fullback will depart with many fond memories of his time at the club. I'm incredibly proud of my time with the club and I feel very fortunate to have been doing what I have been doing with Worcester for so many years, he said. It's a really exciting time for the club with all the changes that have been made and I hope the success we all desire will be just around the corner. It will be nice to watch that success off the field and try to return some of the incredible support that I've had over my playing career and give it to the people that will be taking the club forward now. The owners have been really supportive and have told me there will always be a place for me here where I can add value, so watch this space. The romantic in me thinks it would be nice to finish my playing career at Six Ways, but it's also exciting for me to explore other opportunities. It's been a good number of years since there was any consideration of playing for another team, and with my body, but more importantly my head, in a really good place, now is the time to move on. It's an exciting time for Worcester, but I'm also looking forward to some new challenges and experiences as well. Warriors head coach Jonathan Thomas played alongside Pennell in the 2015 Championship final and believes that his departure marks the end of an era. He said, I played with Pens when I first came here. He's an awesome person and an awesome friend. Everyone knows what a loyal servant he's been over a long period of time and a consistent performer. Well, another is a footballer proud to receive an honour. A former England footballer, Jeff Thomas, from Redditch, has been awarded the MBE in the Queen's Birthday Honours. The 56-year-old has been recognised for his work in raising funds for cancer treatment and research through the Jeff Thomas Foundation, having been diagnosed with leukaemia himself in 2003. Following treatment from Professor Charlie Craddock, Cure Euclemia's co-founder and director of the Bone, Blood and Marrow Transplant Unit at Queen Elizabeth QE Hospital, Mr Thomas has been in remission since 2005. Since then, the former Wolves midfielder who lives in Inkborough has worked tirelessly to raise money for treatment, research and awareness for blood cancer. On Twitter, Mr Thomas said, I'm honoured 
proud and humbled to be awarded Member of the Order of the British Empire. I owe my life to the expertise of Professor Charlie Craddock, along with many doctors and nurses who treated me during my fight against leukaemia. They are the real heroes, the true stars who do not always get the recognition for their dedication, professionalism and compassion. This MBE is dedicated to them. The ex-footballer is now planning to lead a team of 25 amateur cyclists on the 3,384-kilometre Tour de France route one week before the professionals set off in aid of cure leukaemia. Over to cricket. A blistering half-century and two wickets from Moeen Alley saw Worcestershire Rapids complete a 32-run victory over Northamptonshire Steelbacks at Wantage Road. The England all-rounder joined forces with Brett D'Oliveira in a partnership of 94 to set Worcestershire up for a big total in this vitality blast clash. Although Northamptonshire's bowlers pegged things back once Moeen holed out for 52 from 30 deliveries, Worcestershire's 185 for 7 proved too many. Early tight work from Northamptonshire's bowlers restricted Rapids to a lacklustre 36 for 1 in the first six overs. Brett D'Oliveira broke the shackles with two maximums over long on before Moeen got in on the action with the ninth and tenth overs leaking 37 runs. Moeen brought up his half-century with his fourth six when he swung Graham White over square leg before he attempted one big shot too many. He and D'Oliveira had more than doubled the total in the power play in just 29 deliveries. Josh Cobb pegged back the scoring with two tight overs before Tom Taylor enticed D'Oliveira to edge a wide one behind for 43. Late hitting from Ross Whiteley and Ben Cox threatened to push Rapids towards 200, but Sanderson and Taylor finished with three wickets apiece to stem the flow. Steelback's reply got off to a bad start when Richard Levy fell to the first ball of the innings, and two overs later, Ricardo Vasconcelos fell to a stunning diving catch by Whiteley. Cobb took four boundaries off Ben, and I'm pardon my expression here because I don't know how to say his name, Dwashwis, second over, but his aggression came to an end when he picked out the field at mid-on. Rossington was then bowled, playing for spin to a straight ball from Ish Saudi. The wickets continued to fall and big-hitting South African all-rounder Wayne Parnell attempted a big heave across the line to Moeen and was stumped. Rob Keogh fell to a diving catch in the deep by de Schwarzschwitz off Moeen to leave the Steelbacks in further trouble at 95 for six. Saif Zaib provided late resistance but was left with too much to do. At the time of print, Rapids had just completed a second win of the weekend over Lancashire Lightning. Right. Um, the headline for this is Worcester City holding age group football trials weekend. Several Worcester City teams remain in County Cup finals this month, but the club is also focusing attention on the upcoming 2021-2022 campaign. The club will host a trial weekend for new players for its boys and girls teams at Clarence Lane on Saturday the 3rd and Sunday the 4th of July. City intends to field boys' sides in leagues at every age group, from under-7s to under-18s, as it strengthens its player pathway from the foundation stage through to the first team, the majority of which will play in the Nerf Junior Premier League.
Next season, there will also be boys' teams in the Mercian Football League, under-11s and under-13s, plus the Starport and District Youth Football League, under-10s. The club has ambitions to expand its girls' section in the coming seasons too. They will welcome prospective new players to their trial on Saturday morning. And this one is a bit out of our um, sort of way, but he is an incredible man. He's finished his 911th marathon. Cotswold athlete Steve Edwards last weekend became the first person in the world to run a landmark 800 official marathon races, all in three hours, under three hours, 30 minutes. The 59-year-old endurance runner from Longborough, near Morton in Marsh, ran in the Phoenix event at Walton-on-Thames, clocking a time of 3.2809, which was also good enough to win the race from just over 100 other runners taking part. This was Edward's 911th marathon in total, as he continues his quest for the ultimate marathon world record, of running 1,000 official marathon races, averaging under 3 hours 30 minutes, which nobody in the world has yet managed to achieve. Commenting after the race on Saturday, Edwards said, The last 15 or so months have been very difficult for many people with the lockdowns, and motivation has at times been difficult. Fortunately, my first rate back, waist back after five months went well. I managed 3.27, and that was a week ago, and knowing I just needed one more under the 3.30 for this new record landmark gave me the motivation to push that little bit harder. Whether I can squeeze out any more under 3.30 is another question, though. For now, though, I have to consider that particular target an ambitious dream and take it one marathon at a time. Edward's marathon running career spans nearly 40 years and he's averaging a marathon every 13 days for the last 33 years. With 89 more official marathons required for the 1,000 marathons record, it's not imperative that Edwards needs to run them all under 3 hours 30. His current average time for 911 marathons is just over 3 hours 19 minutes, so he has plenty of leeway to meet the sub-3.30 average. But ongoing injury niggles from all the years of competitive running, and that's always on his mind, and he readily admits that he'll need a bit of luck if he wants to achieve this mammoth record. His Just Giving page has just currently raised over £7,000 for the Cates Home Nursing Charity. And finally, uh, actually one more cricket story. New Road will have to wait a further month to welcome back the majority of their fans to the stadium after the government confirmed the delay to lockdown easing measures in England. Stadiums were preparing to host a much larger majority of spectators as of June the 21st, but after a month-long extension was announced by Prime Minister Boris Johnson, this will not now happen. The hope for Worcestershire was that the remaining three home vitality blast fixtures would be played out in front of a packed-out new road, but it will remain at a restricted number of members, as has been the case since mid-April. Worcestershire County Cricket Club chairman Fanos Hera expressed his disappointment at the news. 
Those fans who have pre-purchased a ticket for the three main remaining Blast fixtures can choose to receive a full refund or roll their ticket over to a fixture later in 2021. Or ticket holders can choose to receive an e-voucher, the same value as tickets purchased for use on the club's online club shop or for future ticket and membership purchases. Disappointing for any cricket fans, I would say. So that concludes sport for this week. And we have left the thought for the week, sunrise, sunset times and the birthdays. Let's start with thought for the week. Catherine, could you do that for us? This is from Jeremiah 33, verses 2 to 3. This is what the Lord says, He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Well, we're approaching the longest day shortly and so these sunset and sunrise times well, gosh, I've never been up this early. 4.47 in the morning, the sun is going to rise tomorrow and the sun will set at 9.32 p.m. So longest day approaching. And last but not least, I have some birthdays to announce. On the 20th of June, it's actually, they're both on the 20th of June. Many happy returns to Janet Weaver and Vera Twinbarrow. We hope you have a lovely birthday and that the weather is nice for you and that you get outside to celebrate. So that brings us to the end of this week's recordings. If you want to hear the obituaries, they will be recorded after the closing music. I'd like to thank tonight's readers, Jane. Mm, Goodbye. And Catherine. Goodbye. Swap the uh, swap them around there, and to say thank you to our production team. That's Carol Hartle on uh, copying admin, and John Plush, who's done all the recording for us tonight. On the other side of the glass, he's waving to you as I speak. Thank you, everybody, and have a good week ahead to our listeners. Bye bye. Stanley Hugh Banks passed away peacefully on Monday, the seventh of June. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 28th of June. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, family and friends are requested to contact Mark on 07557 332929 for more details. Flowers to be delivered to Cooperative Funeral Care, Worcester, WR1, 2RS. Donations, if desired, for the Royal British Legion may be sent by cheque directly to the charities or given online. Frank Edward Geneva, known as Ted, passed away on the 26th of May 2021, aged 79. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 29th of June at 10.45am. Please contact the family regarding attendance due to restricted numbers. Family flowers only. Donations for the Injured Jockeys Fund. Douglas Allen Jukes, now in Pembroke, formerly of Worcester. The death occurred at Withybush Hospital, Haverford West, on Saturday the 22nd of May, 
of Mr. Douglas Allen Dukes, affectionately known as Doug, formerly of Worcester. A private funeral service will take place on Monday the 21st of June at St. Mary's Church, Pembroke, prior to internment at St. Michael's Cemetery, Pembroke. If you wish to make a donation in memory of Doug, please forward this to a charity of your own choice. Funeral arrangements are being conducted by E.C. Thomas and Son, Funeral Directors, 21 Main Street, Pembroke, SA 71 4JS 01646 682680. Kenneth John Llewellyn, suddenly taken from us on the 31st of May, 2021, age 66. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 23rd of June at 12.15pm. Invited family and friends due to COVID restrictions. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Muscular Dystrophy UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Archer, Dorothy, Sue, of Lower Broadheath, passed away in hospital on the 24th of May 2021 after a short illness, aged 97 years. Funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium on Friday the 25th of June 2021 at 1pm. The cortege will leave the family home at 11.50am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the donkey sanctuary may be left at the crematorium or made online at http dot dot slash slash www dot memorygiving dot com slash Dorothy Archer or sent to care of Bedwardine Funeral Services O one nine oh five seven four eight eight one one Banks Graham Thomas of St John's Worcester passed away suddenly but peacefully at his home on the twenty seventh of may two thousand and twenty one aged eighty three years. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, June the 24th at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the RSPCA may be sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services 01905 Evans Harold Roderick, sadly passed away on June the 7th, 2021, aged 88 years, no flowers by request. Inquiries or donations to Help for Heroes may be sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR2 
5BT 01905-748811 Underwood, David Peter of Stone Hall, Kempsey, aged 56 Passed away peacefully at St Richard's Hospice on 29th May 2021 after a year battling cancer. A private family service at St Peter's Purton will be followed by a thanksgiving at the Vale Traumatorium Fladbury on the 24th of June at 2pm. Due to Covid restrictions, invited attendees only please. For links to the webcast, contact Jackson Jackson Family Funerals at Upton. 01684-594-971 No flowers, thank you, but donations if desired to St Richard's Hospice and Fresh Start Foundation in the Gambia. Miles, Paul Wayne, formerly of Worcester Bosch, passed away on the 23rd of May, aged 48 years. A private cremation will take place. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3, 7EU. Robbins, Nay Sanders, Linda, former supervisor at Marks and Spencer's Worcester, passed away peacefully on 4th of June. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday 30th of June at 11.30am. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, anyone wishing to attend should please contact 07977 516706. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Parkinson's UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Holloway, Nay Rouse, Monica Joyce Patricia Joyce. Passed away peacefully, aged 97. Her funeral service has already taken place. Donations are welcome for Mags Day Centre of Worcester, Inquiries to Hoskins Funerals Direct on 01905 27862. Spears, Alan John Moley, died suddenly at home on 30th of May, aged 50 years. The funeral service has already taken place. Inquiries to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, WR 14 1TL Francis Burney passed away peacefully on 26th of May aged 78 years funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 22nd of June at 12.15pm invited family and friends only due to Covid restrictions family flowers only please but donations if desired for Cancer Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gummery and Son 6870 Ombersley Road Worcester WR3 7EU Maloney Nay McNally 
Catherine Francis, Kitty. Kitty passed away peacefully on Friday the 21st of May, aged 84 years. Kitty's funeral will be held on Thursday the 1st of July for family and friends. Donations, if desired, to Alzheimer's Society. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors 01905 22892.